Let's see here. But yeah, so what I wanted to uh, talk about today, and you guys are seeing basically the show prep in real time right now, like what we're doing. So John and I didn't, we sent each other a few articles, haven't really discussed anything. By coincidence, we both sent each other the same article that we thought we wanted to talk about first. So that's always good news and just showing that, you know, we're on, you know, the same uh, wavelength here with everything we're trying to do. But uh, yeah, what we're going to do is let me just go lot. We're going to, uh, keep this going live on float, but we're going to cut it to the other sources. So, uh, so John, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go live to YouTube. Then we're, I'm going to do a, uh, kind of a little, little intro type deal as soon as I can find where I put my intro and then, uh, and then we'll uh, go from there. If that sounds good to you. Sounds perfect. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay. Here. All right. So now trying to go live on YouTube. Hopefully that works. And can, can you verify if we're live on, on YouTube yet or not, John? It, is that on your channel? Uh, it's going to be on, on Wham and on my channel. Oh. Okay, uh, can't see it on your channel yet. But yeah, let's go over to World Eternal Media. So if you guys uh, just bear with us uh, just two seconds, just trying to see if we are live right now. And of course, you know, YouTube is always jacking with us. So it's... Uh, Sometimes not super easy to see if we are live or not. Let's see here. It's weird. I don't see anything from, even though I'm on, on my restream, it does, uh, let's see, you know, it does show that there's two people watching us. Uh, somehow I can't even get the, <laughs> it says, I love how, even though I'm like one of the admins on here, I can't even see if I'm live on, uh, on wham that that's just, uh, yeah, there's you know, nothing yet. So there's not, you, you don't see anything yet because it's weird. Nothing it shows the public yet anyways. Actually, it shows 33 people are watching us, 40 people are watching us now. So apparently some people are getting the, uh, getting the stream, but, uh, you know, welcome to another episode of the Tim and John show. It's been a, uh, it's been a while since we've had one of these, uh, shows. We've just had, you know, a lot of different things going on. I had Josh over here and he just left, uh, just yesterday and, uh, he's got some really big plans that he'll be telling you guys about. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, you know, share those plans right now, but for the wham listeners right now, for anyone watching us on YouTube, we will, uh, if, if in the event that John and I go for more than an hour, which, you know, for us, we're big talkers. So we probably will go for more than an hour. Uh, you can, you can then uh, catch the, yeah, you can then catch the stream over at float.app forward slash the Liberty advisor. So that's my, my channel over there. And cause you know, they're, they're going to, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can on YouTube to censor us on all the other platforms, you know, like Facebook and you know, it's, it's all stuff that you guys have heard by now. But anyway, some of the things we're going to discuss today is uh, how the Fed now owns a third of all the mortgages. We've got the fastest NASDAQ correction in history, although we have seen a little bit uh, bounce back in the past couple of days, getting into some of the stock split mania that was going on, uh, the plan to get everyone to get the coronavirus vaccine and how they plan on incentivizing us to do that. Obviously, when I say us, I don't mean that, you know, we're actually going to do that. Uh, China selling is a large stake of its U.S. Treasury holdings. And then I do have a few kind of random grab bag topics I want to talk about if we have enough time. And uh, one of the things, and John and I didn't really discuss any of this ahead of time. So you guys kind of are seeing, you know, the kind of the real time show prep, but there's a random kind of non-financial grab bag thing that I do want to discuss. And John, you're not gonna be able to see this because I am using OBS and, and how we're flipping this. But today I saw on fascist book, I saw a PolitiFact article where it showed that it was a mostly false, um, and most of the show will be on economics, but I just wanted to start with this, but it was a picture of Joe Biden with Robert Byrd. And actually, for, so for you guys who don't know out there, how I got my first start, uh, I always wanted to be anonymous and, and all this other stuff, but you know, I, I decided to start making memes 
And when I decided to start making memes, I made a meme where it was uh, Hillary kissing Robert Byrd. Robert Byrd was a former uh, uh, grand cyclops of the KKK, meaning that he was in charge of setting up KKK chapters. And it was, when's the last time Trump kissed a grand dragon? Now fast forward, and we, had, we see pictures of uh, Joe Biden holding hands with Robert Byrd, who you know, sort of almost looks like you know, George Soros or something in this picture. And so we go to PolitiFact, and it's saying, uh, and there was a meme that somebody made, it wasn't myself, but it says something like, uh, you know, Joe Biden's picture with KKK leader. And so here we are, we have PolitiFact that is saying that this is false news because he wasn't the actual grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. He wasn't the overall wizard. He was just a local chapter leader. And so you see all this, you know, revisionist history where, you know, can you, and again, this is not an endorsement of Donald Trump, but, you know, seeing all the BS that we see, uh, you know, when things are constantly gamed for the Democrats. We, I even saw a picture yesterday where it was uh, Biden holding on to his son uh, when his son was an infant and his son had a, a Redskins hat and they even like blurred out the Redskins on it and just showed a red hat because obviously now, and, and again, this doesn't really have anything to do with what I wanted to talk about today, but it just kind of shows all the, all the censorship and 1984 world that we are uh, living in. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, since this is a financial channel, I'd be remiss to say that uh, the NASDAQ just marked the fastest 10% plunge in history. Again, uh, you know, we are seeing a little bit of a bounce back today. So let me just see where we're at right now uh, on the, on the. Uh... Last time I checked, we were negative, but. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, so it bounced back yesterday and it looks like the NASDAQ is down 2%. So basically gave up, you know, pretty much gave up the gains from yesterday. Uh, and and I stand corrected that that the slide uh, the slide continues. Now uh, the main thing that John and I did want to discuss, and it's funny because we both sent each other the same article at the well, actually he sent me the article and I already had this up as the main thing I wanted to talk about today. And it is the Fed now owns nearly one third of all U.S. mortgages. So I do have that pulled up on the screen, John. I don't know if you want to go into this article because I do know that you had you know years ago you had a uh, you know an article titled First the Fed owns was it nothing. And then everything, or what was the what was the title of, of that article that you had yeah, from the, uh, a while back? The Federal Reserve owned everything, then nothing. That's basically what it is. And uh, th this is no surprise to him. You know, it comes from um, the Japanification of the economy. And um, what I saw back then was that you know Japan, the central uh, well Bank of Japan, the central bank in Japan, was buying up ETFs. But not only did they buy ETFs, they were buying stocks. They were buying. Uh, they own 90% of the government bonds um, of the Japanese government. Uh, they own real estate, uh, a whole bunch of other assets as well. So I saw that and I was like, hmm, uh, you know, they had a demographic cliff. You know, they went off that cliff. The, the population was aging heavily. Uh, and I saw like, well, that's coming here too. I wonder if they will pull this off here as well. So that's why I kind of wrote that article with some of my thoughts. Uh, on why I thought that would be it. And of course, the demographic cliff is both in Canada and in the United States, Germany, and, and a couple other big Western nations uh, where basically the population is aging. There's more people retiring uh, and that are older that um, lives in those countries that are getting born. Um, so it's, it's basically like the, the, pop, the main population is slowing down. And uh, uh, what that does is that uh, it creates a natural, a natural deflationary pressure on the economy because those uh, retirees, they're going to have to sell their assets like their houses, which is their major retirement these days, or they're going to sell, you know, their portfolio investments uh, to, you know, be able to retire on. 
so what you're seeing is that there's not too many people that are willing to buy all these assets other than of course the central bank <laughs> surprise surprise right uh, but so that's where we're heading and of course uh, with you know a daily uh, I track the uh, the, the QE that uh, the Federal Reserve does uh, right now and of course um, what what I've been seeing is that uh, you know the QE has um, you know they, they've been constantly buying almost every day they've been buying uh, between three till uh, eight or ten uh, trillion not trillion billion dollars a day of mortgage-backed securities and that's where that article comes from where they talk about you know that they uh, basically the Federal Reserve owns uh, indirectly through these mortgage-backed securities which are of course backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac uh, the the mortgage insurer uh, they're basically, uh, you know, added um, uh, to, you know, uh, as an indirect owner of your uh, of your house with with that policy. Uh, so that's that's where it's heading, and of course, it's not going to stop here. They're going to, uh, you know, keep on uh, pushing uh, everything here, uh, like the whole strategy of you know uh, buying up assets that are going bust, uh, and so. Um, uh, you know, there's there's no way out of this, Tim. Uh, the, they're they're basically in some serious trouble. Uh, and uh, w what's happening now is that you know they're just going to continue to have to uh, add and um, um, basically add uh, um, you know their whole um, portfolio. They're going to have to uh, you know um, get a whole bunch of more assets into that portfolio. Uh, and probably what we're going to see next, we uh, kind of been mentioning it um, for a bit, but what uh, what we have talked about is, of course, the um, uh, you know upcoming uh, the corporate corporate debt that is in trouble, and and I think with you know the the current profits that are out there in the stock markets right now, with corporates uh, and the massive stock bubble, uh, I think we're in for a very uh, interesting um, you know. Uh, rest of the year especially with the election coming up and everything so uh tim i i think we're <laughs> uh i'm not the guy to you know tell you what's what's going to happen because I, I i don't know when it's going to happen exactly but i can kind of pr almost predict that it will happen because uh they're they're ready to do especially with the new um uh, stimulus bills and everything coming out. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve's balance sheet is going to reach that level. Remember, we made that bet way back. I was kind of uh, way overboard on my bet. Uh, you were a lot closer to it, but I, I think we're going to see the number that I uh, said. I think it was like nine trillion or something. Uh, I think we're going to reach that and probably more at the end of this year, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I know Nancy Pelosi is talking about a, you know, another two point something trillion uh, stimulus bills, what she's going to, you know, meet in the middle, so to speak. But, you know, and it almost seems like they, you know, they really do have the Republicans by the balls in terms of, you know, they need this show to do something and the Democrats are in that power position. And in terms of, you know, who is going to win the election or prognosticating on that, the number one thing that will determine who wins an election actually is the stock market three months before an election. So you take a, you know, a window three months before the election, and then you get to see, you know, where exactly, and it looks like John just got covered up a little bit. Uh, not sure what not, or all, all the way a bit. Uh, and so what, so how you determine who's going to win, or there's an 86% correlation between 
a timestamp three months before the election, the S&P. And if the market is down, then uh, the incumbent party is going usually uh, usually win, uh, usually loses. And if the market's up, then the incumbent party, aka Trump, the Republicans, then usually win. And so that is, you know, and it's funny that basically go right on cue, and, and no no pun intended there. That as soon as we're three months out, then you see the market start going down, 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 down. And you also see some of the corporate bond buying programs are set to basically expire, you know, right, uh, you know, like a week before the election. And the other thing that I see going on, you know, with all the central bank money printing, we look over here on the screen and John, I'm showing an article now where central banks are buying 1.4 billion. This is around the world, not just the Fed in assets every hour. And, uh, you know, it's just a point where it's absolutely insane. But most of this money and now I'm on a political article over here where it shows a tale of two recessions as rich Americans get richer, the bottom half struggles. And really when you break it down, it's what, like maybe the top 10% of Americans have enough stock to actually, you know, really make any difference. And so by, you know, hanging your hat on the stock market, it really is a very, very dangerous gamble, I think for Trump and, and for the Republicans, because most of uh, Americans are not really that affected by the stock market. And yeah, yeah, sure. There's other effects, you know, in terms of, you know, if they'll have a job or not, but you know, a lot of them don't have jobs because of the government to begin with. And so I'm not really sure, you know, how, uh, you know, kind they're going to be to the Republicans. And, and I see another article, John, we're looking at the screen right now, where this shows uh, more than half of households in the four largest U.S. cities uh, struggled financially during the pandemic, the poll shows. And so when you've got, you know, over 50% of people who are very, very, you know, basically in dire uh, straits right now because of this uh, whole pandemic, that, then, you know, it, it's, it's obvious that, you um, you, you know, things are going, you know, they're going to have to have more, you know, quote unquote stimulus they are going to have to keep, you know, pumping things up. And so, you know, and, and I'm sure, John, you probably have seen the, you know, the articles that are out there. I don't have it up now, but where it said something to the effect that, you know, the CDC was now America's largest landlord. And so you've got the CDC, which is basically nothing but, you know, pretty much like a vaccine, you know, lobbying firm. They're, I believe it's a, they're classified as a private charity, but somehow they have like these godlike powers where, you know, everyone acts like they're part of the government, sort of like the Fed, uh, even though the Fed and the CDC both are not part of the government, the CDC owns something, I don't, I don't even want to know, they make like, I think it was like $4.2 billion a year profit on different vaccine patents that they have. And, and if you guys have not seen the uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, the uh, pandemic, not, not just the trailer, but there's the, the full like hour long uh, movie, highly recommend you guys watch that because it really does a great job of, you know, kind of painting this entire picture. And if you can't find it, our good friend Ernest Hancock, who uh, John was on his show today, I was on the show yesterday, he has this inner planetary file sharing uh, network that he has set up where if you type in pandemic IPFS, so interplanetary file sharing IPFS, then that is one way that you would be able to find that because, you know, obviously you can't, you know, these days go on YouTube and just go, you know, willy nilly, you know, going to find anything. But what do you think of, you know, you know, what, what do you think the end game is, John, of the CDC saying that, you know, you can't evict people from their homes and, uh, you know, basically, you know, now they have all these new like draconian measures where they're getting rid of capitalism. And, and where does this really go? at the end of the day when uh you know because because what's going to happen when all of a sudden okay it's you know whatever arbitrary date they set out in the future uh you know they're probably going to extend that date is probably the easiest thing they'll do but then eventually who's going to how are they going to get the money <laughs> yeah. 
that that's how they're gonna get it okay yeah and then actually i ended up my i've actually used my money gun so much back in the day uh you know uh, a few months ago that i actually have to get new batteries for mine but uh but what but john what happens when we get to the point where all of a sudden uh you know it's a year from now and people can start being evicted from their homes is the government going to let people get evicted from their homes are they gonna let this happen and and is the fed at that point gonna own you know two-thirds of all mortgages all mortgages are people's debts gonna get wiped out is there gonna be a debt jubilee uh, what, where do you see things going with, with all this? No, what's going to happen is I, I, I think you're not going to see debt jubilee first. Like that's the last uh, that the, you know the current elite wants because that will mean the end of their parent control paradigm. Of course, uh, I think where we're going to see first is we're going to actually see more uh, stimulus, more stimulus coming in, and and of course they're going to push that um, uh, push UBI and other uh, functions. Like look at what's happening here in Canada right now. Uh, where we have, um, where we actually have uh, uh, the uh, the government, they changed their what we call ZERB um, into uh, a kind of a long-term uh, unemployment thing, and I think they really want to have a minimum income uh, implement, and that's where we're going because if they keep on pushing this. Ponzi scheme to its limits. Uh, everybody's going to be without a job, basically, and uh, all of us has to, uh, you know, receive a paycheck from the government to st stay afloat and actually be able to eat. Because if they don't continue, like if they let you know the the moratoriums go out and uh, and nobody being able to uh, you know live anywhere, and then they don't have money to you know feed themselves, th there's riots in the streets that are going to turn into uh, very, very violent revolutions. Uh, you know, history has shown that every single time they overprint a currency, and, and so I—that's uh, exactly what's coming if they don't continue. But if they continue to, you know, you get to a point where you know they brought in the helicopters, they dropped helicopter drops in the United States and other places of currency into people's bank accounts. Well, when that doesn't work, you're going to bring in the fighter jets, have more targeted approach to attacking, uh, you know, people that really need it. Uh, but then that doesn't work, and suddenly you uh, you got to bring in some bombers to bomb certain uh, you know uh places in the economy then that doesn't work you're gonna have to bring in carpet bombing on the whole economy with tons of uh, cash flooding in and if that doesn't work uh you know i think that's the end game and you're gonna see the monetary nuke go off uh, which is basically going to be just pure money printing to whatever extent it takes until the currency is done and over with that that's <laughs> that's my theory. Anyways, that theory has a lot of hold in history, uh, so I'm not just coming up with this. I'm actually like it's it's backed upon you know uh, thousands of years of research on um, economic systems um, that have you know gone gone south because of similar policies. And of course, uh, if you look at the the Roman Empire at the end of it uh, and uh, others like the French Revolution and what happened throughout that time. Uh, they have a lot of similar, the governments have implemented a lot of similar policies, uh, Tim. Yeah, we do have that, you know, famous, you know, Thomas Jefferson quote where, you know, basically first by inflation, then by deflation, we'll end up homeless on the continent our forefathers conquered. And we're going to be, you know, homeless because all the people with the homes are owning the homes is going to be the Federal Reserve. And so what people need to understand is that when you have the Federal Reserve coming out there and actually, you know, buying up all these bonds, you know, corporate bonds, mortgages, you know, U.S. Treasury bonds, they are basically the highest lien holder, meaning that they basically get the say in terms of what 
what happens. So if you know homeowners default, they default to the Fed. But the thing is, the Fed never had that money to begin with. They just, you know, went and they willy nilly just printed it up out of thin air and just, you know, basically made that money just, you know, just disappear. And but so now with the stroke of a pen, they get to own the entire world. That is actual fascism. What you've been pointing out with Bank Japan is actual fascism, where you have the banks going in there buying up the ETFs, the ETFs are made up of the company. So now you have the state ownership in, you know, in the case of Japan and now the Federal Reserve owning the companies. In Japan, they were buying the stocks, here they're buying the bonds. And so, you know, it's just, you know, I wish Antifa would actually talk about the actual fascism that's going on instead of, you know, all this, oh, we don't like Trump, you know, orange man, bad, all whatever BS they're hearing from, you know, you know, on, on the TV. But, you know, all this is leading to, you know, massive amounts of income inequality. You got people like uh, Janet Yellen who are saying, oh, we can't, you know, figure out what's going on with income inequality. And it's something that I've studied my entire life. Yet, you know, everything they do is just making it much, much worse. And so we do have an article here that uh, I think this is one that you had sent over from Bank of Canada's Macklin warns rising inequality in jobs and income poses the biggest threat to economic recovery. You know, go figure. And then, you know, now that everybody's in this like checkmated position where, you know, say everybody, but, you know, a lot of people are not doing that well. Uh, I did see a Brookings Institute, uh, and whatever they call themselves, fellows or, you know, jackasses. But then but one of these guys said, you know, did you hear what, John, what their plan was, at least in America, to how they're going to get everybody to take the vaccine? Uh, yeah, they're going to actually, was it the one that they're going to try to give an incentive, like a $1,000 uh, payment to, to, uh, yeah, exactly. So. And not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not only are they going to give you a $1,000 payment, what they're going to do is they're going to give you $200 per person first. So if you, you know, you got a family of six people, you're going to get, you know, $6,000, except you're not right away, you're only going to get 1200 But if you want the rest of that cash, you then have to act like a little snitch and a nanny to then go and, you know, pester your neighbors to to make sure they get theirs because once America gets up to 80%, uh, you know, threshold, then they'll release the other $4,800. And so when you got people who are broke or sounds desperate- like, Yeah, sounds like a multi-marketing scheme, multi-level uh, marketing. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I, did, I, you know, I didn't even think about that till right now. So you got to get, you know, your friends and families and neighbors yeah. and, you know, actually everything what you do in an actual multi-level marketing scheme. And, uh, but that's what they, they want to do. They're, it's like a video, like this is game theory going on in real time. And it's- it's just, uh, and I just realized that I'm looking at the wrong, I've got two, uh, two cameras here and I've been looking at the wrong one the whole time. But, you know, it's just a real life game theory going on here where they're, where they're trying to gamify things in order to get the best result. And then eventually there's probably going to be snitch lines and, oh, you know, guess what? You know, if you did get the vaccine, we'll give you another, you know, X amount of dollars. And, uh, and then eventually it's going to be a universal basic income. And, oh, since you didn't take, you know, the mark of the beast over here, then uh, guess what? Uh, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to get the money. And then also since the antibodies only stay in you for like, I mean, some people are theorizing five weeks. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I had coronavirus like January 2nd uh, when I was flying and, you know, it come, you know, end of June, I got an antibody test and I, you know, I came negative and uh, it's just, you know, so what, like every five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, you have to go get a, a new vaccine and then you're going to get your, your, you know, your thousand bucks re-upped. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are going to look at, okay, well, that thousand bucks represents, you know, maybe paying down credit cards. Maybe it represents, you know, buying a new pair of Jordans. Maybe it represents, you know, going on vacation or buy, or, you know, putting gas or getting food, you know, putting food on the table. And if we go to the screen now, we're seeing Americans pay down credit cards for fifth consecutive month as post-COVID deleveraging continues. And the thing is, 
paying down credit cards is great for the individual, great for the consumer, but it's not great for a Ponzi scheme economy that is only predicated on getting uh, basically the economy getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. And, and John, do you want to maybe talk about what happens when all of a sudden the debt carousel stops and all of a sudden, even if it's on a, a temporary pause, you know, you know, how the Fed has to then come in and pick up the slack. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to expand upon, upon that or anything I, I talked about with, uh, you know, all these. Yeah, no, it's um, like when you have a Ponzi scheme rolling, right? Like it's, uh, it's going to be uh, pretty, pretty hard to actually be able to sustain, um, sustain it, keep in a, keep it in a flow because what you need is you need constant new supply of uh, stooges at the bottom. And then in the case of the, the monetary system, what you need is you actually need uh, people that actually uh, need to get into debt in order to keep that system afloat. Because uh, when people get in debt, they, they create you know, the principal and the interest. Now the interest doesn't exist in monetary supply. So what they're gonna have to do next time, so let's say I have the only $100 available in the, in the world, uh, I borrow them to you, Tim, and then I want interest back. Well, how are you going to pay me back interest? Well, I'm going to say like, well, I can I can create a little bit more, um, a little bit more currency into circulation, but then I'm going to charge you interest on that as well. So basically, you take out a loan to pay back the interest, but then now there's even more interest on that loan. So you kind of see like the the interest is always up here. If you pay off all the principal uh, debt that exists, you still are going to owe. Um, all, all the interest and there's going to be no currency left to pay back. And that's the whole Ponzi scheme of this thing. Uh, so like there's um, uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Firestein of uh, Planet Ponzi says that the best, you know, you can't taper a Ponzi scheme. And as you see, like now they, uh, the Fed has stopped up a bit, you know, with their, their QE, uh, uh, well, they haven't completely stopped their QE purchases, but you know, their balance sheet just kind of uh, leveled off a little bit if you can say, and, and now you're seeing, you know, volatility and everything coming back again as they're not buying up enough of the assets that they, you know, need to feed, feed into the system. Yeah, and right now, you know, we do, uh, you know, I see people commenting on it. Actually, I got off that screen, but, you know, you know, it's, you know, buying guns and, and ammo and growing food and buying Bitcoin. And, you know, that's, you know, things that people, you know, should be doing. And they're also commenting on the stock market going down. And so as I've taken a look over here at the NASDAQ, I mean, earlier today, I went to go look at this, you know, as I'm doing some show prep and saw that the market was actually up a little bit. And then now it's down almost 2% on the day for the NASDAQ. We, right now, I'm taking a look at a one month chart here so we can see that the NASDAQ was about uh, 12.074 and then today is sitting at you know 10,931 so you know over the course of I mean that's you know only going back to September 2nd so we're looking at you know eight days here and having the market you know precipitously go down which is you know quite a big deal in uh, you know an eight-day time period and you know we're also very we're only five days away from the uh five days away from uh, basically the anniversary of the 2008 financial crash and actually uh, accidentally uh, clicked on that, but, you know, taking a look at the Dow Jones over here. So on, on the one day, see, you know, that's down 1.3% on the, uh, let's go to the one month over here, you know, same deal with the NASDAQ, you know, it started off at about uh, 
I mean, it got to 29,568 and today sitting at 27,575 again, going back to September 2nd. So, I mean, it's been, you know, a hell of an eight days over here for the stock market, but you know, a lot of people, you know, get really cocky, you know, at the end games of these and think they're really smart for how, uh, you know, how easy things are, but you know, it is when, I mean, what we went to like a bear market or sorry, not bear market, a correction in the span of like, you know, two days, uh, which is something that doesn't really happen very often. It obviously, you know, it happened in, you know, 1987 where, you know, it went down and just in, you know, 20% in an afternoon. Uh, but one of the funnier things that I saw, and this was, uh, you know, if I go to the screen over here, it was a, uh, a guy from uh, Advisors Capital, Chuck Lieberman on the Fed. And this guy is talking about, I'm not going to play it for you because I don't want them to, even though it's fair use, kick us off of here. But he says something to the effect of, you know, Jerome Powell is the only adult in the room over here because, you know, we are lacking on fiscal policy. And so it's great that we have somebody like Jerome Powell at the Fed who's making all the tough decisions and doing all the things that need to be done. And, you know, just like, you know, what was Ben Bernanke? I forgot what his book, uh, what's it called? Courage to Act or some, some crap like that and you know the, the courage would be you know courage letting, to destroy <laughs> yeah while getting to parade around as as the good guy so i mean what do you make of like someone that you know talks about how great of a job jerome paul is doing right now and we should all just be you know bowing down and worshiping the feet that you know you know just just the path that he's walking on what do you what do you have to say to people who uh you know think that you know he's you know an absolute god over here well, that's what uh, I, I think that's what it's turning into because the technocratic people at the top of, uh, you know, the whole scheme here, they really want to have full control over the system and be able to just basically run their policies to manipulate markets up and keep it keep it afloat. So nobody thinks that, oh, this is, you know, everything's going to be fine. There's going to be no worries, um, you know, in the, with the economy because we've got a central entity that, you know, can be able to control, uh, you know, where we're going. Uh, with the economy, the problem is that, you know, the current uh, constantly creating inflationary pressures with this whole QE quantitative easing push uh, around the world. And of course, they pushed up stock markets again. They're pushing up real estate prices with, you know, extremely record low interest rates like they're doing that in Canada. Actually, uh, Tiff McClem of uh, the now that used to be uh, Stephen Pulse, but now it's Tiff McClem, the new head of um, Bank of Canada, just had a... The, a uh, press conference that I was watching as I had a quick lunch and uh, he was asked, you know, are you sure you're not blowing another bubble with, you know, pushing interest rates down to basically here in Canada at zero. Um, and he said like, no, we, we're just trying to stimulate the economy, make sure that, you know, uh, everything is good and that people, you know, are taken care of. And of course, Bank of Canada's balance sheet, you know, we, we talked about this uh, way before when it actually started to happen, the repo overnights, uh, and all this stuff, you know, blew up, and then it's kind of a level off right now because the repos. We're almost on the anniversary. We're almost at the anniversary of that as well. So I mean, that that really started kicking off uh, a week from today, actually. Oh, actually, yeah, that's yeah. that's right. That's but the, I was talking about the Canadian one, but yeah, the the, the Federal Reserve repos start on the seventeenth, uh, and uh, you, you you know you and me, we actually have been covering that since day one, and and I actually have uh, you know if you go to theeconomictruth.org to my website, you can actually find all the stats from the beginning, uh, as I've been actually tracking the Federal Reserve's uh, buying of assets, and so you could get very detailed uh, day by day actually. Uh, you know, how many assets they've been purchasing, what kind of assets. I, I track several different types of assets. 
I track, you know, the uh, the treasuries uh, and uh, all the other subcategories of that. I uh, I track the uh, the mortgage-backed securities, which is talking about, you know, that's the reason why they're talking about, you know, the the Fed uh, basically owning one third of all the mortgages in, in in the United States. And then I also track commercial mortgage-backed securities. There, uh, you know, the commercial mortgage-backed securities are multi-dwellings or small corporate. Um, um, corporate, um, you know, corporate uh, real estate. Uh, so there again, they've been buying that, like they hold about 9 billion, something of that as well. Uh, and I believe the next step, other than like now they've been using the exchange stabilization fund, of course, the, uh, the secret slush fund. Um, and uh, it, everybody needs to read this book. It's called uh, the, the exchange stabilization fund slush money or war chest. And of course, do, do, do you want to do you want to hold that up again? I was I was on your website at the time. Yeah, and of course, actually, this book is you know turned into a war chest right now, uh, with the the whole COVID uh, the the fake COVID crisis that they put upon us, right, Tim? So, um, you really have you know seen that 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 health, whole fund you know exploded because they funneled money into it, the treasury, uh, and it went from. Uh, about, uh, I think it was like 90 billion something, but you can see the stats actually at that website that you just showed on my website, the repo and uh, other, like the repo operations. Uh, so you could actually see the stats on the exchange stabilization fund. But if you want more detail, I highly suggest that you actually go and look at their uh, their balance sheet uh, online. And it's, uh, you, you could find that uh, it's hard to actually like, uh, really find it, but uh, let me let me go here. I'm gonna actually pull it up, Tim. Uh, but how about you just uh, talk about the, you know, a little bit about what what your thoughts are on you know the whole ETF bailout and and well, it's kind of a shadow bailout by the the taxpayers that are happening through the ESF. And as you do that, I'm gonna actually go and find the the exchange stabilization fund's latest uh, statistic, like latest balance sheet. Okay. Yeah, not only are they buying up, you know, these assets, or they're using the by they the Fed. The Fed is also then using leverage. So even the junk bonds are using uh, seven to one leverage. Investment grade bonds that probably should be junk uh, are using ten to one leverage. So it's like even just worse than just you know just buying up the assets. So I mean, so so while they're leveraging it up, it really you know paints the picture that what the Fed operations are are actually many many times more than what you know is actually seen. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's you know like a secret you know black book over there that they had not i mean not as probably always oh, racist over here black book but no secret uh, black book that they have you know where they have different assets that they're not necessarily telling us about that would surprise me but you know even you know getting back to you know the guy that was saying that we have you know that this is a you know basically the uh you know Powell's the only adult in the room. Well, the number one thing that Powell needs to be doing, uh, well, you know, should be, well, besides, you know, doing nothing, but you know, the number one thing he should be, you know, be keeping an eye on is basically making sure that America is still the world reserve currency. I'm not saying that that should be the case, but, you know, as a Federal Reserve, you know, chair, like basically your job is to basically maintain, uh, you know, the solvency of the dollar, the purchasing power, the stability of the dollar. And now we're getting articles over here that show China to gradually sell 20, China, <laughs> my best Donald Trump voice, uh, to gradually sell 20% of its U.S. Treasury holdings 
and may dump it all in case of a military conflict. And that is coming out of Chinese uh, state-run media. And if, you know, if I were the Chinese, you know, I have no idea while, why they have, you know, any treasuries. I mean, obviously, you know, it's to, you know, be able to, you know, at a future date, you know, use it as a little carrot. But even in the grand scheme of like these operations that the Fed is doing, what China has really, you know, almost amounts to nothing. And if the Fed's going to be there buying up the assets, then why not, you know, basically get to the point where the Fed, um, what, what, what can basically buy up the you know the, the treasury holdings from from the Chinese and if you guys have questions you want John and I to to answer you know I'd really appreciate it if you guys could ask those questions over on float right now there's basically nobody uh, talking on float besides you know uh, Aaron uh, Nakamoto and so you guys ask a question over there and in the overdrive we'll make sure to get to it whereas you know over here and we do appreciate all the comments and, and participation but it's just so much easier to get to those over on float and make sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already uh, you know we just got over 150,000 uh, subscribers the other day, which is, you know, uh, you know, a big thing, uh, you know, because, you know, with all the shadow banning going on, it's something that we uh, weren't sure if we would even be here now. And probably I'm guessing before the election, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I even saw Facebook is now paying people to get off Facebook, which I, you know, I wish, you know, wish they'd pay me and then, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go because, you know, at this point, it's just, uh, you know, cluster, you know what, but, you know, getting back to the Chinese treasury holdings, at, you know, a trillion dollars, that's really like a drop in the bucket compared to, you know, I mean, if the Fed can, you know, willy nilly just, incre you know, double their balance sheet in the span of, you know, an afternoon, what the hell is adding another trillion dollars? I mean, what's, you know, it's like Nancy Pelosi wants to add another, you know, two point whatever trillion for a stimulus program. And really, you know, if the Chinese want to have any, you know, this is almost like a get out of jail free card, you get, you know, a, a super high price for your bond, while taking on basically zero risk, because the Fed's going to come in there and buy it. And so for those who don't, don't know, one of the big risks that's in there in like a, one of your uh, retirement portfolios is if you have, let's say a million dollar bond, 10 year bond, rates go up 1%, your million bucks is now $900,000. You have a 30 year bond, rates go up 1%, your million bucks is now about $700,000 and rates go up, you know, 3%. And I don't know, I'm just doing it off the top of my head right now, but it's probably like $200,000. But yeah, you'll still get your, you know, whatever it is, like, uh, you know, like- If they're worth you know, anything at the time, because at that time, 3%, we're talking about the total amount demolishment of you know uh, debt you know nobody's going to be able to pay that uh, pay that interest on all the debt accumulated anyways <laughs> exactly so i mean by the time you know you end up getting you know your money back you know all the horses have already left the barn and it's and it is at that point worthless and so i mean it's not unreal to think that the rates at some point would have to go up and you know they're already couching it as you know since because it has been a long time since we've done an episode so much crap's gone on since the last time even uh you know like a month ago so we have now we have average i don't have the article on this but we have averaging inflation now so that coming out of the fed so they oh yeah <laughs> that so, is what yeah, I mean, that's pretty big news. I mean, that happened only two weeks ago, uh, exactly two weeks ago, uh, uh, two Thursdays ago, that, that that announcement came out. And so they had already talked about symmetrical inflation. And what we meet, what John and I mean by that is they wanted to keep the rates at uh, at 2%, uh, the inflation rate at two. It's been below two for you know a very, very long time, according to their uh, BS measurement of of how things uh, you know are supposedly measured. But since it's been below two, they're saying, oh, well, if it gets you know to four or five or six or seven, then that's fine because 
because then we'll, you know, in the long run, we'll average it out back to two, but they're not even saying like over a five-year period or 10-year period or 20-year period. And even if they did tell us, they're just going to, you know, BS it and move the goalpost on us anyways. Uh, just like, you know, Bernanke said, oh, when the, I forgot the exact metric. Oh, well, the employment rate gets down to seven. We'll think about, we'll, we'll raise rates. Oh, then it gets down to six and we hit six. Oh, when it gets down to five and a half. Oh, it hits five and a half. Oh, when it gets down to five, when it gets down to four. And they keep moving the goalposts over and over and over again. And now what's coming out of the Fed is they said, uh, they said, oh, we're thinking about, we're not, we're not even thinking about raising rates. And then it comes, then it's like, oh, we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. And I think now it's like, we're not even thinking about thinking about thinking about raising rates. So, I mean, it's just an absolute joke and why anyone holds these people in, in the steam. And, and the fact that you've got, you know, China looking to, and, and the more debt we get and the more lower interest rates we have, then it gets, you know, it creates this cocky atmosphere where people think in, you know, in government that we can just do anything and, and the market's not, you know, punishing us, but, you know, really we're just, you know, getting the news tighter around our neck or we're getting, you know, a higher, you know, you know, uh, you know, gallows pulled to go jump off of when we, you know, when they ultimately pulled the rug from us. And that's why you're even seeing, and you sent this article a little while ago, you're even seeing places like the Ohio Pension Fund just uh, jumped into the gold market with a 5% allocation, which for a pension fund is a pretty big deal because these are people that have, you know, ideologies that are not in line with, you know, people that are watching, you know, viewers of us, not in line of, you know, thinking of, you know, John and I, but, you know, even at this point, you know, it's better to uh, jump on the train a little bit late than before it completely leaves the station. And uh, I don't know if you have anything to expand upon on, uh, you know, what I was just talking about there, John. You know, that's exactly what's going on is uh, you're, you're having a slow uh, understanding that people are getting afraid because the Fed is talking about, you know, letting inflation run hot and you know what's what's that going to look like are they even going to be able to control it at two percent for example um uh, tim if you can actually enable me to share uh, on on zoom i i just like to like quickly show people what i was talking about before uh we, we started to talk about what we did uh, and it's the exchange stabilization funds consolidated financial statement um so it's um yeah, let me know when you're ready. And yep, then you, you should be able to do it now. I just made your co-host. Yeah. So that should be yeah, so uh, I, I just wanted to show you guys like what's going on here. Um, because you got the, um, you have uh, what's called the exchange stabilization fund. As you can see here, it's a slush fund. Uh, and I've been talking about this. You can actually go back about three years ago. Uh, I did a video exposing the exchange stabilization fund as a secret, you know, dark pool that they are, are keeping a whole bunch of funds away away from people and they they also can use it as a fractional reserve kind of banking uh institution as well uh, on top of it and as you could see a fund balance with the treasury that one has jumped to 481,958 billion dollars that used to be nothing uh that used to be sorry um yeah no that that used sorry the the full amount is down here it's it's my my fault here let me just uh, scroll down quickly here, uh, just one second. Uh, if it, yeah, if you go down and see here, the actual total assets on the books is 680 billion point nine hundred twenty-nine million, uh, and uh, that used to be ninety uh, about ninety billion just um, uh, before they funneled a whole bunch of money over. And now you could see actually, if you go and take a look here, this is this is where you need to take a look at what they've done and what they're using the fund for. 
uh, is uh, in all of these uh, different uh, recovery and investment uh, programs and, and so on. And it's, you know, the corporate credit facilities, it's uh, 37.5 billion. Uh, the municipal liquidity fund uh, is 17.5. Uh, the Main Street loan uh, program is, you know, 37.5 billion. Uh, you got the term asset uh, backed securities loan facility, the TALF. Uh, that one is at you know 10 billion, and then you got the commercial paper funding facility. Uh, that one is at 10 billion. You got the money market liquidity fund uh, is at 1.5 billion dollars, uh, and then further down here you got uh, also a, another program that's here that I haven't seen before, and that is the economic recovery and loans receivables. Uh, it's a program called National Security and Defense Businesses. So that's, if you paid attention, I think there's been articles in the news lately about, you know, the funneling uh, money into, uh, into the, uh, you know, the defense sectors and defense businesses to, you know, um, start to ramp up, you know, the, 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 the potential uh, crisis with, you know, like when uh, the US and China finally comes after each other. So that's another, you know, $245 million that are getting pushed into, uh, you know, defense businesses and so on. All this money here is, of course, you know, uh, being owned uh, owed by the taxpayers because it's, you know, come came from the treasury itself. So as you can see, there's, you know, about five, I, I think it was like the initial uh, transfer was $500 billion uh, that came over uh, from uh, the treasury. And uh, now you can see the treasury fund balance has uh, dropped a bit, but, uh, as you can see here that this fund has been used, like it was used during 2008 to actually have a shadow uh, bailout as well of the money markets. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they have any fine prints. Yeah, here, here you go. Here's all the fine print on the different uh, programs that's going on here. And as you can see, there's uh, plenty, plenty full of uh, different programs, you know, like the CARES Act, all these different uh, acts that are out there. Uh, and then of course, um, you know, they, they've been uh, using this fund as well. As you can see here, there's an interesting little part here and th they had this, they actually upped it. It used to be $3 billion, but the ESF has an exchange stabilization agreement with Mexico for $9 billion. Uh, this agreement was modified and renewed on November 19, uh, November 2019 uh, for an additional year. No withdrawings were uh, outstanding as with this agreement, but what it is, it's basically a credit line for the Bank of Mexico to, you know, uh, draw on if they have a currency crisis, for example, uh, because if any currency around the world fails, a major currency, it is also a tremendous impact on the, the psyche of the of the people because, <clears throat> because beef currencies are all about trust and it's all about keeping that trust game going, you know, like believing that you know this paper or this electronic money will actually have the uh, the value that it had when you put it into the bank account most likely it won't and that's why everybody has to invest today in order to actually uh, fight you know the, the the inflationary pressures of the currency printing that you know the central banks are doing so uh but with this though you can see that there's a lot of uh programs happening uh either under the radar or people are not aware of them that are basically bailouts so the economy um, there's more programs being discussed. I think it's like up to a trillion dollars now that Congress is talking about, right, Tim? Uh, so, so you're, you're just going to see like this continuation of uh, currency printing until 
basically, the Fed owns everything. Uh, there's no more, you know, uh, places for assets to go. And then suddenly the assets will drop, you know, tremendously when there's only one owner of them, then there's no real exit strategy. And uh, that can mean the mark-to-market insolvency of the, the, the Federal Reserve Tim. Yeah, no, thank, yeah, thank you for going into that because it's such you know, an important, if you want to get off the, uh, the screen yeah. so we can get back to uh, the regular screen share over here. But uh, yeah, I am, I'm taking a look at it right now and it looks like the, the impetus for the stock market drop today is actually because it looks like the fifth coronavirus uh, rescue package and I'll use, you know, rescue and, uh, you know, air quotes over there because, you know, the main people being rescued are the big banks and uh, what I'm calling a bank robbery. But what is going on over here is that uh, the Senate failed to pass uh, the fifth coronavirus rescue package and now you're seeing, uh, you know, these names going back down, which, you know, which apparently that must have happened uh, from the time that uh, you know I was prepping for this and to the time that we went live. And so, uh, and actually I actually didn't really do that much prep. I was just making sure that the live stream would work. But uh, anyways, it's, uh, yeah, everything is, you know, dependent on, uh, you know, they'll probably have the market go down a lot just in, and then eventually, you know, the Senate will then have to buckle because, you know, the, the pressures will be too great. And and uh, this is sort of a side topic, but, you know, I think that no matter who, you know, wins the election, uh, you know, what's, what's ends up, ends up going to happen is no one's going to know who wins the election. And then they're going to have some sort of thing where all of a sudden, uh, you know, Trump is, you know, they're trying to encourage him to step down. So then that way American could come together and we, you know, have in the stock market can go back up and they're going to use that as some sort of carrot uh, because, you know, the big banks always get what they want. The Fed always gets what they want. And uh, right now they're getting, you know, global domination. And I think a good topic, because I do see, you know, people that are making comments about this, maybe like a future uh, uh, episode that we should do. Maybe we can do it with Josh as well, is people were talking about uh, Nasara, Jasara, Q, does the Fed, uh, you know, did Trump take control of the Fed? Is there a quantum financial system coming? And I don't want to, I want to tease that maybe for a, a future show. Uh, but I do see, you know, that there were comments about that. And, uh, you know, I'm not really that optimistic, uh, really kind of believing any of that stuff. Although there are a lot of good people that do believe that's happening. Uh, and believe me, I really hope that I'm wrong on some of this stuff. And I do, you know, I'll, I'll, owe, some, I'll owe some steak dinners to some people on bets that I have. And I really hope that I have to pay up on that. But, you know, I'm not holding my breath that, you know, Donald Trump is just some, did some end run around on the Fed and that there's going to be a new quantum financial system. I can go into greater detail uh, later on, but that's, you know, a little bit outside the bounds of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, but yeah, getting back to, you know, the market news, we have uh, Stanley Druckenmiller. Uh, he, you know, I believe he's a hedge fund guy who now runs a family office, says the stock market is in an absolute raging mania. Everybody loves a party, but inevitably after a big party, there's a hangover, billionaire Stanley Druckenmiller told CNBC, I mean, CNBS. And uh, right now we're in an absolute raging mania. We've got commentators encouraging companies to do stock splits. Companies then go up 50, 30, 40% on those stock splits. It brings no value, but the stocks, they end up going up. And then, uh, and then I have no clue where the market is going to go in the near term. I don't know whether it's going to go up 10%. I don't know whether it's going to go down 10%, Drucker Miller said. But I would say the next three to five years are going to be very, very challenging. And it is nice and, I guess, you know, refreshing 
and assuring to see somebody that's actually, you know, a billionaire, uh, you know, guy that manages money to then actually, you know, give an honest assessment of this. Cause a lot of times what, you know, and he, since he's running a family office, he can be a little more candid than the average person that's out there working for, and I don't want to name any of these companies cause I don't want to get sued, but uh, you know, they're always going to tell you it's a great time to buy stocks, you know, you know, every single time. And so, you know, seeing somebody that's a billionaire saying, listen, like, I don't know where things are going in the next, you know, in the near term, this is insane. I think, you know, is the honest, you know, opinion of where things actually are. And anyone that knows, oh, it's definitely going to crash or it's definitely going to go up. Nobody knows because, uh, you know, with the Fed money printing, it just trumps, you know, don't no pun intended, everything else. And, you know, absent all this intervention, you know, we would see, you know, a NASDAQ that be, you know, absolutely, you know, cratering it. S&P that's absolutely cratered. And, you know, how that would affect the average person, I'm not really, I'm not really that sure because, you know, the average person isn't really that benefited by stocks anyways. And it shouldn't be, our money shouldn't be used to prop up all these, you know, zombie companies. And, uh, and, and absolutely in the short term, this has got to be, you know, the craziest stock market that I've ever seen since I've been paying attention. And I've been paying attention back when I was, you know, 14 years old watching Larry Kudlow. And now I get to see that guy become, you know, Trump's, you know, little, you know, you know what, and, you know, just complete. Lapdog. Yeah, laptop. That's a much nicer word than uh, what I was going to say. But yeah, lapdog. Uh, I was going to be a female lapdog, I think is what I was going to, you know, probably imply there. But you know, what do you what do you see to these people out there who, you know, uh, you know, think that everything that you know, you know, the Robin Hood investors that say everything is going great and we should, you know, keep buying stocks and, uh, you know, this is the greatest economy ever. Is is this sort of crazy to think that that you know we're at basically, you know you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, pretty close or basically at the all time highs, you know, given all the plethora of, you know, just absolutely, you know, devastating news, whether it's unemployment uh, situation, whether it's, you know, all the businesses shutting down and yet, oh, oh, here we are, you know, the markets, you know, almost at all time highs, you know, what do you have to make of all this, John? Oh, it's, it's pure irrational exuberance. And of course, uh, there, there's nothing, you know, uh, solid about this economy at all. Like they did, the whole stock market is completely diverged from the real economy. Uh, you know, when you go and look at unemployment rates um, all across Canada, well, all across the world, you know, look at uh, look at the craziness of uh, uh, who was it? Uh, South Africa, their GDP uh, fell 52 percent, uh, and nobody cares. Uh, you know, everything is, you know, priced into the markets. Meanwhile, they're like still at like record highs as the, the GDPs have dropped, you know, anywhere from uh, 10 to uh, 50%, depending on the countries. So uh, there's, a, there's a clear massive disconnect there. And of course, GDP in itself is a huge discussion, but we could take it at a later point, you know, what is actually good GDP and what is, uh, you know, uh, just garbage GDP. Uh, that doesn't really matter to the economy. Of course. Actually, don't don't tell Yahoo Finance that the stock market and and economy uh, are disconnected. And, and this was an article I just pulled up while you're talking. And this is just you know pants and fire. But this article is actually entitled "Why the Stock Market and the Economy Actually Aren't Disconnected," and it's from five days ago. And so, so this, so, I mean, I I am like wait, I, sorry to interrupt you, but it was like just like too rich. I just had to, I just yeah. had, I just had to share that because it's just you know so ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's just hilarious, like the uh, the euphoria and the disconnect with uh, you know, what people actually believe. It's it's just unbelievable, Tim. And uh, you know, I'm I'm never getting surprised right now with you know how far it could go. It could continue and further. Um, you know, it seems like there's backstops. The plunge protection team and others have been in there and and trying to fight. You know what's going on, but 
Tim, uh, I remember I was going to be uh, on that, you know, um, uh, who was it? Financial Stability Board's, um, uh, what was it? Too Big to Fail Virtual Workshop. Well, I couldn't make it, unfortunately, but uh, there, lucky enough, I, I got to last night, I got to uh, uh, see they sent out the YouTube, um, uh, you know, uh, link. And of course, they actually have it available on YouTube for everybody to see. Not that like when I watched it, it was only 99. Oh, excuse somebody, me. Somebody get, this, somebody get this man a coffee. I mean, I, I really don't even drink yeah, coffee. I, I but, really uh, need uh, some, some energy here. So I'll, I'll let it over to you right away. But I just wanted to say that, you know, there's, um, uh, it's just a crazy amount of uh, uh, things happening. And I, I, I got to actually be uh, a little fly on the wall by watching this on YouTube. And, and everybody should that, you know, really cares about. But, but I, I, I guess there's not too many that are willing to, like last night I was done working here at 9, at 9 p.m. And uh, I, I had to actually go, uh, you know, I, I was going to go to bed, but I had to put down all, uh, like put in all my, um, uh, stats that I do for all the central banks and all that fun stuff. And then after that, you know, I, I got an email from the financial stability board saying that here is the actual too big to fail virtual workshop. Uh, so I watched uh, two hours of that. Um, and those two hours were very interesting. You know, I, I, I'd like to actually show you Tim right now. Uh, some of them, some of the actual uh, content from that uh, article, no, from that uh, YouTube uh, YouTube um, uh, video, and uh, there's actually like they're discussing some really big uh, issues there at the Financial Stability Board. What do you got to remember? The Financial Stability Board is the controlling unit right now. Uh, they are part of you know this book that was written back in 2016. This was a whole part of what they were doing, and it's called the redesign of the the global financial uh, architecture. Uh, the, the return of state authority, and it was created by a guy called Stu P. McIntosh, the head of a group called G30, which is basically giving out advice to the FSB and other in, uh, global institutions on financial decisions. Uh, they created like a recent, uh, um, a recent uh, publication that was all about uh, giving advice to uh, central bankers on how to implement CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. Um, in there, they were discussing Tether and Libra, um, as potential use cases or what they could do uh, as central banks. Uh, but I, I want to show you, so I'm going to share the screen right now. And what I'm going to show you, I'm actually going to show you, <coughs> excuse me, I'm actually going to show you some, um, uh, some of the slides uh, that was, uh, that was coming out by the, um, uh, by these guys. There were like policy uh, people, you know, of course, the and the academics. Uh, then there were actually people that, you know, are very uh, uh, smart. Some of the consultants there, they were calling the academics out and saying like, you guys don't even care about, uh, you know, trying to fix the problem. You're just like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Uh, but, you know, there's no action on, on your behalf. And uh, and as you can see here, I, I pulled out a couple of um, uh, charged and different things here. Uh, this is an uh, interesting one from uh, a speaker that was from Algebras. Um and it's a little bit blurry, but uh, if you bear with me, I'm going to tell you. And you want to you want to maybe tell people where they can find those charts and Discord and all that stuff too. While we're at it, yeah, I I don't think I shared them on Discord yet, but I will share them on our Discord channel as well when I'm uh, when it's all done. Uh, after this, I'll I'll share all these charts. Uh, but the the charts here is actually a 
uh, a uh, chart that shows in inefficient banking systems increase fragility. Uh, but what he shows here is he shows different things as you know asset quality. He shows capital ratio. So asset qualities, for example, in Portugal and Italy, you know the the non-performing loans, the NP, gross NPLs are 9.4 and 8.4 percent of the all the loans that exists. Um, then of course you go to the size of banks of total GDP, Tim, and and this is where it gets uh, pretty interesting. So think about just this, okay? So the United States in itself, if all the assets on the U.S. banks' balance sheets were 94% of the total national GDP, uh, what would that tell you? Does it mean that they owe 94% of everything in the United States? Uh, or else that number is not true to me, Tim. I don't know what you think, but you know, the. Uh, going like basically the banks are have lended and, and, and own 94% of all the assets that exists in the economy according to this number uh, <clears throat> but that number is you know that's for the United States and they're in way 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 better shape than everybody else apparently uh, because if you go and look at the the assets of other banks in other countries to GDP you would just be baffled like this is just insane. Like uh, most of them are, you know, um, above 300%. You know, we have Netherlands at 328%. Uh, you got Finland 305%, 368 in UK, Ireland 390, 391. Uh, France is 440%. So Societe Generale, I warned about that Societe Generale could also be another um, bank that could go south together with Deutsche Bank. Uh, then you got uh, you got uh, Germany at 264%, uh, Canada uh, is at 311, uh, Australia at, three, at 273. So when you're at <coughs> when you're at the level that you're at with total assets uh, of the banks being that much higher, uh, what, what like that is supposed to be GDP? Uh, why are they higher than the GDP? 100% should be of GDP, should be all assets that exist in the world uh, or in the country, right? But apparently they owe 440% more than uh, the national GDP. Now, of course, that uh, can entail that they own a lot of other assets in other countries. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, I think this has a lot to do with, um, of course, derivatives, Tim, uh, is a huge part of that. But another big thing that they talked about you know, you know, John, just to interrupt for a second, because we are coming up on the one hour mark. And because, you know, we want to, you know, incentivize people to go to other platforms. Again, you can check this out on, you know, basically any of your favorite MP3 platforms, podcast platforms after the fact that, you know, it usually takes, you know, a couple hours, but definitely, you know, give a shout out to Zach, who's been helping us, uh, you know, along with that. But, you know, right now we are going to be going live on float.app forward slash the Liberty Advisor also on dlive.tv forward slash the Liberty Advisor. And we just need to, you know, incentivize people to get to those other places. So if you guys want to, you know, have us get, uh, you know, basically be able to do this, you know, in the future, you know, we're just going to memory hold someday. I mean, personally on Facebook, you know, after, right after the election last year, uh, I was going from 1200 new subs a day to, and I've been negative ever since I had a two month run. And now, you know, I get, you know, three people watching my stuff out of over 30,000. And so the same thing is going to happen to us over on YouTube. And so we are preempting that. So we really need people to watch us on those other platforms. And so right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in and uh, cut the live stream from YouTube. Definitely appreciate it. But if you guys want to, you know, get this in uh, MP3 
format, you know, you can search the, lib the no, Liberty no, Advisor. Actually, actually, Kim, before you cut it on uh, on YouTube, I want to show, uh, share with all our uh, the YouTube subscribers at World Alternative Media, I want to share with them, you know, uh, where me and Tim and everybody's, um, you know, uh, discussing every single event that's happening. Uh, and <clears throat> if you just give me one second, I'm going to actually share uh you know our discord channel for everybody i just uh give me one second i gotta copy it here and then i'm actually gonna paste it in as you can see here this is our discord channel i'll, I'll give you a quick overview before we we just cut the live stream here we just uh give it yep. one second here let me just uh show everybody so this is okay. where you I, be, I, be, I, be, I beat you i beat you to it so you can you can also do uh bit.ly slash tim john discord in uh all lowercase and that will then get you to that same uh you know invite link over there. So yeah. you also need to make sure. So, so John, that link that you have right there expires in one day. So you'd have to yeah. go over to and, and make it edit it. So that way it doesn't expire. Yeah, go to the, the best one to use is of course, Tim's. Uh, now this one was just for the, uh, for the urgency for all the people on YouTube to actually join if they want to be part of the conversation. And how many people uh, we got in there now? I mean, how many uh, in total? I, mean, uh, we've we got were probably just over, I think we're 215, 220 oh, wow. Very nice. uh, subscribers right now. And there's a lot of activity. As you can see here, this is just uh, today what's been going on. Uh, both of me and other people have been uh, discussing things all, all day today. Uh, we share a lot of like fun little things. Uh, if, if nobody has seen this YouTube video from Reason TV, Fed asked the printing, uh, WAP parody. It's it's definitely a watch. Uh, I think you should play it when we when we join. Uh, like when we cut our feed over to float, you should actually show it because it's just hilarious. Uh, and they really did a good job. But as you can see, there's a lot of here is actually the the financial stability board workshop uh, YouTube video. So we share every like almost everything that we do uh, that are not you know like uh, like books or big big articles or something that I write, I share that for free uh, all across this, our, our uh, Discord channel. So uh, feel free to join. And of course, on Discord too, you could actually you could see people enjoying the chat, hang out here, go and actually talk audio live with people. So there's a lot of fantastic functions for people to be able to, uh, you know, join us there and hang out and of course, check, you know, uh, float and everything out. But uh, I'm going to just go and get some water, Tim, and then you can take over for a couple of seconds. As we, of course, we're leaving YouTube uh, right now. So we're, uh, this is uh, like from now on, there'll be uh, float only content. So if you want to watch more, I'm going to go in more into the, the whole FSB uh, report because there's some uh, more interesting things that came out of that conversation that they had there. So there's a lot more to talk about there, but we can actually uh, cut the YouTube feed now. So you got to go to float. And same thing for same thing if you know the couple of people watch this on facebook definitely appreciate the watch uh likes and all that, that other stuff but we will be cutting facebook right now uh so we got one feed cut other feed cut and uh as of right now that's everyone on youtube definitely appreciate it and uh you know you gotta go check us out on float so here we go and uh shortly we should not okay i just cut the feed to uh to youtube yeah let me i'll, I'll be back in uh, half a second i'm just gonna go and get some water all right, half a second. So I will uh, hold you to that. Uh, but anyways, one of the things I did want to discuss, you know, here, you know, as we're, uh, you know, into the after show over here is one of the theories of why the NASDAQ was going up so much. And one of those theories is, is that there was a NASDAQ well 
theory for tech stock surge is stirring doubts. And so what you had was a company allegedly SoftBank is making billions by using options to bet on technology stocks has stirred speculation. The Japanese conglomerate could have been a driving force behind the rally. And so essentially what they're saying is that people buying up these different call options that what is then happening is that, you know, as people, as these, as this major firms buying call options and there's other option strategies, it gets, it gets very confusing. Uh, there's other option strategies that, that then basically would have to have other people buy more call options. And then that would then basically create this, you know, self uh, fulfilling cycle where it would keep ratcheting higher until eventually the music stops and, you know, whether or not the music ended up stopping, uh, you know, uh, on the second or not. And, and if that ended up being the high, I guess, you know, time will tell. And obviously someday, you know, it's going to be way the hell higher than whatever it was in September because, uh, you know, on a long time horizon, because we're just going to keep, you know, printing the money. But, you know, but when it comes to, uh, you know, in the, in the short term, uh, again, who the hell knows? Because, you know, the Fed could just say, oh, hey, we're going to print another, you know, $7 trillion uh, tomorrow. And then all that money finds its way to the stock market. And then, you know, there you go. So, you know, you're seeing some, you know, manipulation on that front. Uh, and, uh, you know, then we do have, you know, it's just kind of some other, uh, let's go check out actually the stock market where we're at, where we're at right now. So I'm on Yahoo finance looking like the, uh, Dow is down another 400 points, uh, today, uh, NASDAQ were almost down 2% or 221 points, uh, over there. S and P, uh, holding in at negative 1.76 and the Russell 2000 is down 1.14. And let, let's just go check out actually where the Russell is. And, uh, maybe on, uh, we're doing this like in, you know, basically in live time over here. Uh, but you take a look at the Russell 2000 actually peaked out August 1st, 2018. And why that's important is because that that's really like when you take a look at like the America type stocks, you know, the, the average, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, mom pop, I wouldn't say mom pop, but you know, it's going to be the, the smaller, uh, you know, companies in the, uh, you know, in, in the, in the stock market. And actually at one point, Apple was worth more than all of them combined. Um, and, and that was uh, at one point last week. And now, you know, even, uh, you know, year over year, uh, you know, basically it's just down, you know, a tiny bit. So, you know, if, you, you know, America really was, you know, making it great again. And, we're, and in the grand scheme of things, we're actually not, you know, a whole hell of a lot higher than we were even, you know, five years ago. And again, it doesn't include, you know, dividends and interest and, and things like that. But, you know, it is worth noting. And it's, I think it is interesting that, you know, that the Russell 2000, which should be more indicative of the actual American economy, that that's, you know, pretty much been in the crapper and not really doing anything the past two years, while, you know, everyone's only fixated on the S&P 500 and Dow Jones, and of course, now the NASDAQ, because of uh, well, the, the financialized, I call that the financialized economy, the, the real economy is on Russell 2000, right? So, no, it's, it's interesting, Tim, but <clears throat> back to where we uh, ended off the YouTube video, and, and Tim, if you can actually share with me the actual float uh, website, because people on YouTube are asking for that um, website. If you haven't shared it, or if you can share it there. Uh, the, the, the actual float website? Yeah, like where you're live streaming it right now. So people can actually, because people are asking, oh, where can I see the rest of this? <laughs> so yes. if you can and share so, that, that'd be fantastic. And, yeah, so... Uh, so I'm not sure where to share that because right now the only people watching us are on float. So I wouldn't, so it'd only be an echo chamber because we've already cut the stream to YouTube, but I did share it a few times on YouTube. I think. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well then you don't the have to worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we do have five people. Let's say hi, hi to Chrissy. Uh, we got Kingsley's mom uh, joined us a little while ago. It looks like we've got four others on. I'm not sure 
who the other four are, but definitely appreciate you guys uh, joining us. And this is what, you know, we're going to have to do just things like this. Maybe we'll even do like 15 minute segments in the future. And then, you know, if you want to get the full, you know, hour, hour and a half, you've got to go over to float or D live or just, oh, actually, you know what? I, I can go and I can share it on the, uh, on the YouTube. So let me just uh, point it out over there. Okay, yeah. cool. But I as know. you, as you do that, let's, uh, let's go back because I want to just show you, I got some other treats for you before the end of the show here. I'm at an interesting place right now. So I'll do a little tour of where I'm at actually. Uh, all of you guys will get a pr pretty good giggle out of uh, where I'm at. So I'm going to show you what's happening here and what I'm up to. Uh, but let me go back to the, the FSB, uh, the whole FSB, um, um, uh, you know, two big to fill wor uh, virtual workshop. So what I showed you was, of course, the <clears throat> the banking, you know, the showing that the, the banks are very fragile. They got a lot of assets. And one of the big things, Tim, that they were talking about uh, was, you know, the, the, the market, the book value versus uh, the market value of their shares, uh, no, of their uh, of their assets of, of the bank's balance sheets, Tim. And uh, that was a huge conversation piece of the conversation was, you know, talking about that, you know, like, oh, everything looks great, you know. Uh, KPMG or Deloitte too should really massage the numbers and <laughs> looks really great uh, on the books. But then you actually, uh, uh, during a market crisis, you find out actually how much those assets are worth. And then suddenly the 440 uh, percented GDP could be worth, you know, 10 percented GDP or something like that. So I think that's uh, a lot of that is going to come where, you know, like, this next crisis too, and banks really starting to struggle. They, they struggled back, like uh, we're basically at a year ago almost now, uh, on the, the 17th of uh, September, 2019, where we had the repo interventions and the, you know, 10% overnight interest uh, height, like basically jumped from 2% to 10%. Uh, and it was a huge, uh, you know, basically uh, a uh, huge uh, slowdown and, and a freeze of the credit markets. Uh, but I just wanted to show you like, so we're talking about the credit markets and all the risks involved and everything, Tim. Uh, this is again, like a little bit of a blurry chart, unfortunately, because it's um, it was taken from the YouTube uh, chat and it, it wasn't available anywhere else, these uh, charts. I wish they were because this is uh, some very fantastic information. These are actually bank, uh, Elder Business, uh, looking at risks in the banking systems around the world. And as you can see here, if you look at this chart, Tim, uh, as you can see, you know, there's uh, like all the different risk, uh, systemic risk problems between banks, you know, how much assets, counter assets and all this stuff that they have, uh, uh, you know, towards each other, towards different countries uh, and so on. And as you can see here, you know, you have, for example, uh, the country of Norway has 1.26% risk towards UBS. Um, and then you have others like uh, Societe Generale, as you can see in Deutsche Bank, Tim, uh, and Unicredit, these are three major banks that are, uh, you know, in here. As you can see, BlackRock has risks, uh, you know, with whatever investments or derivatives they have uh, towards Unicredit uh, as well. You can see Libya is involved there, Abu Dhabi. Uh, look, as you can see here, this is a very interesting uh, schematic that nobody would ever be showed if their presence on this earth. Uh, of course, you know, the, the different risks uh, uh, there are, you know, in in the whole economy. And and as you can see, there's, you know, cross risks between uh, banks, between nations and, and uh, between cities and whatever it is, uh, Tim, here, as you can see. So it's, it's a very um, 
interesting chart to watch and, and see all the cross risks between uh, all these different uh, uh, banks and nations around the world, you know, when it comes to debt and derivatives and all everything. Uh, so these guys are actually able to, um, uh, you know, be able to actually uh, tell you what's going on around the world. Uh, but one last uh, thing, uh, one last chart that I found <coughs> that was very interesting is this one, Tim. This is not a chart. This is actually like a, a, uh, a slide from a, a PowerPoint that was shown. Uh, and this one here actually shows, uh, and it talks about the biggest risks in the economy right now, Tim, and that's shadow banking. Uh, I don't know if very many are familiar with what shadow banking really is. Uh, shadow banking is a very interesting uh, uh, topic because shadow banks are basically um, the, um, the what they call market finance. It's basically everybody that are uh, and there's corporations like Home Depot and others, uh, Canadian Tire, whoever it is that are financing, doing financing outside, or even a lot of uh, you know car financing companies and all this debt financing uh, that are outside of the banking system. That's all like uh, what they call shadow banking system because they're not connected uh, directly to the central bank in any formal way. Uh, and there's a lot of financialization right now in, uh, in different places because with inflation going up, wages staying stagnant, people are actually gonna have to go into debt in order to acquire different things from, you know, like just buying stuff at Home Depot. Uh, things have gone up so much that, you know, they, they actually got to go out and take a loan instead of actually buying cash uh, anymore. Uh, <clears throat> and, and that's where you get the credit cards and all this stuff that are, uh, you know, implemented. And, and, and of course, the, the, uh, the MasterCards, the Visa and, and, and American Express uh, as well are, are in the shadow industry. Uh, so there, all these guys are borrowing money towards, you know, uh, people that can't afford uh, the different types of uh, purchases because they don't have the money because inflation has gone up so much versus their salary. So they have to finance it instead of actually, you know, buying it outright that, that they used to do back in the day when people were actually financially sane. But today everything is financialized. Uh, you gotta have to finance almost everything. You know, people are financing uh, small little things today. Uh, even on Amazon, I see they're pushing, uh, you know, to actually just finance as little as, you know, $40, $50. Uh, so it's pretty scary that that's the case, but that's where the economy is going. People are not getting richer. And of course, tons of people are now on all these programs, Tim, as we've been talking about earlier in the, uh, in the video. Uh, and so people are really starting to struggle. And as you can see here, uh, you know, they talk about uh, market finance in a stress scenario. They're talking about rollout risks and, and freezes. So they're talking about, you know, how they could be a complete collapse uh, of their, their, you know, systems of lending and, and, and all this. And that, they, you know, uh, there's loans that are, could collapse, all this stuff in the, in the shadow banking industry. And, <clears throat> the shadow banking industry is massive in China, but it's also getting very big in, in most nations because they've taken over because the banks are not lending as much money as they used to anymore. Uh, so what is happening is that, you know, the, the market has taken over basically the lending schemes. Uh, and uh, so what, what is happening is that, you know, they're, uh, it's kind of a wild, wild west out there. You know, they're boring to left, right and center to whoever, you know, has a heartbeat. And they're trying to, you know, uh, it's another way of trying to inflate the bubble as well, but it's uh, it's not induced to them. 
to the actual banking system itself. But what is a problem though, uh, and where they say spill over to banks is, you know, corporate dash for cash, uh, bank credit, uh, bank credit drawdowns, implied bank capital has continued walk up. So basically, they believe that all these corporations could suddenly like put stress on the banking system by you know these stresses in their own finance uh, financing systems that they use, uh, and then of course uh, they talk about you know central bank is the lender of last resort uh, to the banks, but then uh, what they're also saying is is shadow banking and market finance increasingly a claim on the central bank put option. Uh, in times of aggregate stress. So uh, if you can elaborate a little bit on, you know, what a put option is then, because I'm not uh, too, you know, per, uh, too uh, extremely knowledgeable exactly to describe exactly what it is. But as you can see, basically in my point of view, what they're saying Tim, is that the, the shadow banking system, are they gonna be bailed out by the central bank next? Yeah, so when people are saying that, uh, and if you want to, you know, get rid of the uh, the screen share, so we can go back to full screen over here. But yeah, what people are saying when it comes to, you know, is this, a, you know, a put option or that, you know, the central banks have a, you know, a put option. It's basically, a put option is something that in, it's a it's a bet on something going down. A lot of, I mean, you can use it to, you know, protect a position. So if you have a huge gain somewhere and you're worried about it going down, you can, uh, you know, basically m make sure that, you know, as let's say, the, let's say you put a put option the, on the S&P 500, for example, and the S&P 500 starts going down, then the put option will increase in value. And one put option gives you the right to then buy a hundred shares. So if you buy the S&P 500 at, you know, 300 and I'm not sure what it's trading at right the second, $350 a share. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the price goes in and say, Hey, I want to buy an option to buy it at, you know, 320. And if the option at the S&P never gets down to 320, then it expires worthless. But then all of a sudden, as it starts getting, you know, 318, 310, 290, 250, uh, in which I think is where it actually got during the last time, like around 250, then it starts exploding in value because it's, uh, you know, it, there is leverage, uh, you know, directly on there. And so it, it, it basically by having these central bankers automatically, you know, basically having a stop. I mean, I think a, a better term would be like a floor. They're putting like a floor on the stock market losses because then they come in and start buying. So it's almost might, might be better. Uh, might be better phrase that they're actually getting call options on the S&P 500, which a call option is the exact opposite where you say, hey, let's say the S&P is trading at, I don't know what it's trading, right? 350 and I think it's going to get to 370 and then uh, then you can buy an option on it and then it gives you the right to buy it at, you know, at a, at a lower price. But, you know, there's, but right now it's super expensive to the option market because of all the volatility. Uh, usually that's predicated on something called the VIX or the volatility index. And the higher the volatility index is, uh, then the more uh, what they call like a risk premium you have to pay for an option. So the main things that are gonna put be the determinant of the option price are how long the option is. So if you have an option that's for one day, is there's not gonna be a big time premium on it because you know i'll say not a lot can happen in a day but nowadays a lot can happen in a day uh but you know if you have an option for a year and you know eventually the price yo-yos and gets up to the a strike price there's a lot greater chances of something occurring at least once in a year to be able to cash out than you know if you buy one for a month or two months or three months or four months and so there's a time premium a volatility premium and now that the market the vix is much more volatile you're seeing a much more uh, much higher volatility premium on the uh 
on the options. And as I go over here, if we go back to our screen over here, the VIX is at a 29.62. I mean, I think anything above a 20, uh, you know, is, you know, is pretty high. And, you know, to get down to as low of 50, you know, within the past 52 weeks, got as low as a an 11.42, which shows, you know, extreme complacency, uh, you know, going on. And, you know, I only have, you know, probably you know, a few more minutes because uh, I do have to prep for it. Actually, what I've got coming up is an all client. We're not necessarily all my clients, but it's a, I, I give them now an option to do a, a Zoom meeting with me. That's usually with just, you know, a few people and they get to ask questions and talk to me. So it's one of the benefits of being a, cl a client and you can head over to the libertyadvisor.com schedule with me right from there. And if you've got, you know, old 401ks, IRAs, you just left a job, just about to retire, you made a bunch of money in Bitcoin, all things I can help people out with. And, uh, you know, if, if you had, you know, your accounts go down, you know, big time, uh, you know, back in March, and you're, you, you don't want that necessarily to happen to you again, although, you know, past performance, no indication of future returns, uh, you know, it, now you've had a second lease on life, another chance to do that. And I just wanted to you know, bring up just a few kind of just random things that might not have anything to do with finance, but uh, I thought were interesting. We have the NSA chief who oversaw sweeping domestic phone surveillance now has joined the board of Amazon. So, you know, that's, uh, that's really cute. Uh, so who is, that? I think it's, uh, was it Alexander or uh, yeah, Keith, Keith Alexander is his name. I also saw that uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, Fredo, I guess technically Fredo would be his brother, uh, says 4,000 person NYPD social distancing task force needed before he will allow indoor dining in New York City. So, so I mean, here you have, you know, a guy, uh, you know, here he is, you know, encouraging, you know, people to snitch, you know, someone whose last name Welcome actually- Welcome to coming is New York. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's, uh, you know, more of a Russian accent, not the, not necessarily an Italian accent, but, you know, you, when, you, when you have a guy like me, who my name actually is, you know, a rank in La Cosa Nostra. And uh, I first found that out by reading the book Omerta, the Sicilian Code of Silence. And then you got this jerk over here telling everybody they should go around snitching. Uh, well, you know, actually, actually that, that got me thinking of something. You're talking about Italy, you know, you being a picciotto. Uh, <laughs> It actually in Italy right now, uh, the Serie A, which is the their Premier League, basically in soccer, open for a potentially equity stakes in all their teams. Uh, so in Italy, they're desperate, you know, for uh, anything right now. And of course, that's more financialization, right? <laughs> Look at what happened to Manchester United. I'm a big Manchester United fan. I follow soccer quite a bit. And, you know, they totally demolished, uh, you know, the whole club um, with, you know, actually the financialization that they do uh, with, with the whole club. That was the first uh, soccer club or sports club in history to actually do an IPO. Did uh, LeBron, so that, I think LeBron James was like somehow associated with that or something. And they, they then they loaded up the team with tons of debt and it's, you know, basically like a leverage oh, yeah, they, buyout they of the it. team. Yeah, it's, it's a leverage buyout of the team, of course. Like they used it as lever buyout, uh, and of course, funding their uh, their sports clubs in the United States as well. Uh, now, since since you got your hair, Tim has got to go right away. I, I wanted to show you guys a couple of tidbits. You know, uh, I, I do some uh, every now and then. I I think it's law of attraction. You know, I ended up at this place uh, that I'm working at right now, and uh, this place is interesting, Tim. Because it's actually, uh, you know, you know how much we talk about the banksters and the banking system. Well, you know, guess what? Guess where I'm at, Tim? You know, uh, I found the, I found something very interesting here. You know, we couldn't show it on YouTube, but I could show it here. It's a robbery prevention kit for credit unions. 
<laughs> so if you're interested, you know, Eric can go in and check, you know, uh, uh, you know, what they do actually is to prevent, uh, you know, who they're looking for, uh, all the things that well, reminds you of the, reminds of the quote. If you want to, uh, if you want to rob a bank by a gun, if you want to rob the world by a bank. And so, yeah, I, I think actually it says at the backer and the fine print, you know, like you actually are the bank robber, but <laughs> anyways, and then we got this little treat here that they left behind. You know, it's funny. They just left this, all this stuff behind, but this is uh, secure paper money. It's in your hands. You're not worried uh, that all that stuff could have coronavirus on it. <laughs> it says your guide to security futures on can uh, on Canadian paper money uh, and it's from the Central Bank of Canada so I'm going to take this this is my little treat to, I found little tidbits everywhere uh, and then of course I want to show you every because I'm uh, I, you know I'm working on installing some alarms so you see like it looks a little messy a lot of cables and stuff but this is this is the coolest part here because uh, right here Tim this look familiar like what is this here you know, like it's like a, a, a bank vault. vault with no money in it. It's... Yeah, exactly. And this is this is probably you know what uh, what a bank vault actually looks like uh, if you go into it. Or Fort, uh, or, is, Fort you know, or Fort Knox. No. Yeah, there's like uh, this is basically Fort Knox there. And as you can see, there's uh, you know some carpet rugs, uh, some other you know they got an old typewriter. There's some assets in there, but that's about it uh, that you that you'll find. And this is like this is insane. You know the thickness of this thing. Of course, like as you can see here, like look at this big door here, right? And uh, this is actually the the front of uh, of the the vault itself. So <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty neat, you know. I said to I said to the guy that I work with, he does a lot of hard money lending, and I said like, how about we just start a bank out of here? You know, we got a vault, we can you know set up a bullion bank, we could really rip people off and and start printing money out of thin air. We could get a credit union, um, a credit union. Uh, Speaking of ripping people off, I just uh, actually just saw this article right now. It's, I wasn't uh, just another random grab bag one I just found right now is that Citigroup actually misstated the maturity on a $1 billion bond by 18 years. And so people thought that they had a bond that was going to uh, uh, mature in five years, but they, it's actually going to not mature until 2043 because they made a mistake when drawing up the prospectus. And because of some, you know, BS legalese in there, they're able to, uh, you know, supposedly be able to change that. And then the last kind of random grab bag thing that I saw was uh, somewhere over here. And it says, build it from scratch. 19 black families buy land to create safe city for black people. And, you know, but it's, it's not only about black people. It's about there's people everywhere, I think, should be doing these sort of things, building intentional communities, trying to, you know, opt out of the system, so to speak, because, you know, you're not going to go vote yourself freedom. And I actually think this is a good thing that, that, you know that there's you know 19 families who want to create their own you know city just because i know we're talking people in the freedom community that want to do the same thing you know over over not necessarily here but just you know saying uh just in general actually you know, actually tim uh, on that spot you know the, joe biden is very interested in what we're doing he actually joined our channel the other day i don't know if you saw that uh, joe biden joined us uh <laughs> Why was he? Why was he sniffing people? I don't know. Was uh, well, it's but, a, you know, poor poor guy. He called himself Joe Biden and Joe logs into our channel. You gotta kind of you gotta expect to get some uh, shit thrown your way or made fun of. So, uh, well, it, it's pretty hilarious. People have a good sense of humor that joins our channel, which is which is great because it's it's quite amusing. But you know, voting for anybody, Tim, as you said, you know, it's it's such a waste of your time. Uh, and, you know, it's time that we actually break free and actually start creating, you know, these um, uh, sub-communities underneath 
underlay underlying the actual uh, the the tax taxonomy as these uh, technocrats call it where you know taxonomy is basically the economy for them that they control uh, it's it's time to break that paradigm from them and get away from the taxonomy uh, and you know uh, start to break free and start using you know different mediums or exchange to be able to uh, buy for, buy things and just become more freer from the system by not being dependent on you know sitting with you know mass amounts of uh, money in the system where it suddenly it could just turn on you uh, in an instant Tim and that's uh, you know what I, I really love what you're all about and and, and that's what you know uh, our passions to Tim is to you know do this thing do the do our shows because we have passion we want to educate people we want to you know have uh, more people being able to uh, understand and join a free society at the back end of it because where we're heading is total tyranny. Uh, and if you let this whole COVID crisis continue and, and they, they continuously, you know, stomp on us and look at Australia, Tim, what uh, what they're doing down there is just like it basically went back to being a prison island, um, especially in Melbourne. And uh, it's just insane what, what is happening right now. And if, if people don't stand up and, and, you know, make statements during this time, we will lose our freedoms. Uh, there's together. no doubt about that yeah. because the pendulum is, you know, uh, at the end of government, you got only tyranny left that they could go to. Uh, and that's where we're heading right now. If we don't uh, stand up, if we don't educate people, if we don't uh, come out and stop voting for uh, buffoons that are out there, sorry my language, but I know I'm going to piss off some people. Uh, I, I don't, like anybody that you know believes that you're going to vote to make a change in the world i i try that you know with uh running a political party all that stuff is just a, it's such a lie and if people think that they can make a change by doing that these days you know we're, we're at the back end of a, a governmental system that are falling apart in the, at the seams with the uh the fiat currency system and the banking system that backs it so we, we need to we need to get over that and start you know uh, taking charge of our own lives, Tim, and and really really start uh, our true revolution by having a peaceful revolution where we have or are non-compliant and we actually are starting up and using our own systems that are you know not uh, attached to the to the old paradigm. Yeah, absolutely. But I uh, need to make sure I get some uh, food in me before I get to, uh, before I have my next uh, call coming up. But it was great being back with you. I, I know we're going to be doing this more regularly uh, yeah. now that Josh is uh, not in my place because it was just before it was easy because I could just, you know, walk five feet, do a video, and then he takes care of all the work. But uh, yeah, anyways, you know, if you guys want to uh, check us out, you know, my our podcast, uh, you know, we've got all the different stuff from Wham and from uh, basically everything we put out is on the podcast feed. You can search my name, search the Liberty Advisor or Liberty Advisor show, and that should be able to find it on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, you can find John at the economic truth.org. And uh, yeah, make sure to uh, you know, definitely appreciate everyone's, uh, you know, watching us and comments and welcoming us back. And it's a little bit rusty because it's been a while since we, you know, we did, you know, one show, I think last month. Is this show was... number 10, by the way, or I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I need to go check. I think it's a little more than that. I think it might be like 15 or 16. Tomorrow is, and we're missed to say 9-11. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what else I could say about that. You guys go back to one of my old episodes. I, I get into the CIA's connection to 9-11 and how. And look the at financial... the insurance, uh, insurance industry, 9-11 as well. Very interesting. Yeah, James Corbett, James Corbett recently did a video on that i didn't watch it i watched like two minutes of it and it looked like it was gonna be good but i had something else going on yeah uh, but we, yeah we know what it's all about but yeah please watch that one because it explains truly what you know yeah a lot of, there's a lot of incentives there for somebody to do something 
Yeah, it was about four years ago I made that video, and I think I had like 50 people on my channel. And be between then and the election on Facebook, I went from 50 to 32,000, and then today I'm at 30,000. So uh, it's funny how I can go jump up 30,000 in the span of two months, and then uh, now four years later, I'm actually have less. So, you know, riddle me that, how that works. Anyways, peace out. Appreciate everyone watching us. Uh, I'm Tippa Choth, Liberty Advisor. This is John Snyson, The Economic Truth. And uh, until later, I'll see you guys. Arrivederci. <laughs>